chillin' and uh, you will hear about the eliminating of the negative and the accent on a positive. Gather round me, chillin', if you're willing, and sit tight while I start reviewing the attitude of doom. Is this thing on? Oh, yes, it is. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, The Joyful Frugalista, and now here's your host, Serena Bird and Friends. Hello, Frugalistas, and welcome. Today, I have a very special guest joining us. She is a YouTuber, and I enjoy her videos immensely. In fact, the whole family was watching them last night and having a bit of a giggle and enjoying lots from that. Her name is Janice Fong, and she YouTubes and Instagrams at It's Janice Fong. Welcome, Janice. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Now, I want to ask you about your career change because I understand you had a very good corporate job, one that you had spent many years studying towards. You recorded in a video how last year, last November, you quit, probably to the surprise of everyone, I'm guessing, <laughs> um, in order to have a radical career change. Yeah. Can you tell my listeners a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So just a little bit of background. I studied an applied finance and law double degree during my time in university. And I went on to do a graduate position at an investment bank. And I spent about two and a half years there before moving to another retail bank to work in strategy. And I think that seemed like the, the dream job to me when I was in university. I thought mm. that was what I wanted. But sort of in the back of my mind, I always wanted to be more creative. I would make videos when I was in high school. I would make videos when I was in university and I would post them onto YouTube, but I would never tell anyone about it. So it was kind of like my secret <laughs> little creative outlet where I'd grown a very small following online, but no one in real life knew about it. <laughs> these, <laughs> these videos are now all privated because they're a little embarrassing. I always sort of knew in my gut that I, I wanted to do something a little bit different. I was having a lot of really great opportunities and I had a great job. And I think the, the common misconception was that I hated my job and that wasn't true at all. I had a really great mentors. I had a really great group of friends from work and I was worried that I was getting too comfortable. I was getting too comfortable that if this continued and, and I got a couple more promotions, I would never take that risk to do something that I knew I really wanted to do or to do something that I'd been thinking about for so long. This was something that I'd sort of been thinking about for the longest time. Every single day when I would take the train to work, I'd be thinking about it. You know, I wanted to make more content. I wanted to, to travel to more places. I wanted to have more new experiences. And I wasn't able to do that in my nine to five or eight to six or however long I used to work corporate job. It's always longer than that, isn't it, with a corporate career? It's always longer than nine to five. It's always longer than that. You're always on call. Yeah, exactly. I just gave myself a date and I decided at this date, I'm going to take that leap and just do it because if I didn't, I'm never going to be able to do that. Your video where you're in the bathroom and you're about to make this <laughs> <laughs> decision to announce it, put it into action really touched a nerve with me because as as I was mentioning before I left my career not quite a corporate career a public service career and about the same time of year but a year apart so my last day at work was 31st of October and I think you recorded that on 1st of November 2018, yes, 2018 was that right yeah. 
And I remember that because of the, the closeness in time to my own decision. How was that? Like, how did it go over in the workplace? My manager was so supportive. I was actually quite surprised at how supportive she was. It was just a really good reaction. She just said, you know, you, you just have to go for what you want. If you feel like this is what you need to do, then you, you have to do it. I was really grateful for that because at the time I, I hadn't told my parents that this was <laughs> what I was going to do. My parents are both from Hong Kong and they worked really, really hard to put us through school and university and whatnot. And I felt like there was this, not obligation, but I really wanted to make them proud. I really wanted yeah. to make them feel like their sacrifice was worth it. And in their eyes, I think getting a good job means that we are, or a, a good and stable job means that we're kind of set for life. And that means they don't have to worry about us. And I think that for me to just quit a great job is is a huge mistake and I didn't want to worry them because I was kind of on the edge. If I had more people telling me not to do it, I might just step back and not take that leap and I didn't want to have anyone stop me from doing that. So I, d I didn't tell them before I quit. <laughs> they found out <laughs> afterwards when the deed was done. <laughs> and how did they take that? At first, not well. They were shocked. They didn't understand it. And I think in part that was my fault as well because I never really told them that there was this other side of me that I really wanted to pursue, that sort of that creative side, or I wanted to make more videos. I wanted to pursue being a video editor, producing videos and, and filming videos on YouTube. But And if you tell your Asian parents that you want to quit your job in a bank to film videos in your bedroom and post them on the internet, they get a bit worried. They're like, what does that, what does that even mean? Like, do you have any contacts? you know how to do this like how do you make money it's just yeah they were really worried and they they just thought I was out of my mind for at least the first two months it's not just Asian parents who worry about that last year when I started to sort of that dissonance between where I'm where my happy place is and where my happy place isn't was sort of growing and my dad we went skiing together in early August like we do many years I think we've been doing about three or four years now and he managed to corner me on a chairlift, <laughs> a long, cold chairlift. Oh, gosh. Many times, actually, telling me how I should stick with my job and the best thing I could do would be to stick there till retirement and I would have a, a really secure superannuation. And he was right on all of those things. It was the secure, mm. easy path. It was a good job. There's a lot of people who don't have jobs, particularly at the moment, who didn't then. I should be grateful for what it was, but yeah. there's this little voice inside of me that was going, oh, there's something else. Do you know, the weird thing is we spent time together at Christmas. He came up in January and he was so happy and proud of me. He said it was the best decision I had ever made, which really quite blew me away because I wasn't expecting that response. Mm. He noticed how happier I was. He noticed how a lot of my content that I had created after I left work was really starting to resonate. And I think he got it. Like once he saw it in action, he got it. Mm, that's, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you had a similar experience or not. I was actually the same with my parents. I think when they saw how happy I was being able to do what I really love, they started to be more supportive. And I think when I started to get some sponsorships here and there, when I started to make money online, they sort of were like, oh, she can actually she can actually do it. And they saw how hard I worked, but then I was a lot happier. So they're, they're really, really supportive and, and they're okay 
with me filming when we're eating out at a restaurant. I'm like, can I can I film you know a segment of this? And they're like, yeah yeah yeah, go for it, go for it. And then they would like make the dishes look pretty for me to film. And it's just it's really nice that they are so supportive. And I think ultimately they just want us to be happy and. They just want us to be okay. Ultimately, they were fine with it, mm. which I was really surprised at how quickly they became okay with it. Because it is quite radical. When they were growing up, there was no such thing as the internet, let alone YouTube. Like yeah, exactly. Any of these kind of roles that, or jobs, they just didn't exist. Exactly. It is something that is really hard to conceptualise and to explain until you kind of do it, I guess. Mm. And I didn't know too much about it at all when I first started. So I was sort of I couldn't give a lot of answers to the questions that they have because I didn't have the answers to them myself. It's just, I guess, you you followed your instinct and you followed your gut. Yeah, exactly. Have there been any regrets with that? Like obviously this year, 2020, mm. has been such a crazy year. So many things have been turned on its head. It's not a great time for the travel industry. No, it's probably not a yeah. great time for people, content creators and travel either. I don't have any regrets per se, but there are a lot of things that I really miss about working in a corporate job. I think I really, really miss working with people. I miss having that, I guess, structure and routine. And I miss having mentors in the space as well. In terms of regret, no, I don't regret doing this at all because if I didn't do it, I would always be thinking what would have happened. Like I wouldn't have stopped thinking about it at all. I'm grateful that I took that leap when I did. <laughs> you only live once, really. <laughs> exactly. One of your videos that I really like is one that you recorded in February where you talk about yourself going to a supermarket. It started <laughs> with the idea that you did a lot of recording or of foreign supermarkets when you were traveling overseas and yes. so you wanted to do one about going to your local Woolies here in Australia driving there going shopping and you created 20 meals for $70 and how the world has changed since then. I know I know there's no more toilet paper. I know and you got that on half price. I can barely find pasta. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> And I only took one. You only took one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if yeah. only you'd known. <laughs> if only I knew. But yes, it was it was really interesting watching that and thinking how much our life has changed about a yeah. simple meal like bolognese sauce and a simple purchase like toilet paper and a simple thing like going to the supermarket. It's just so different now, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. How has this current crisis affected your frugal or savings plans? It hasn't impacted this too differently. We always have a couple bags of rice at home. The only thing is it's harder to get pasta, so I switched that to, to rice instead. And a lot of the smaller grocery stores, so like the Asian groceries, they're still quite stocked with, with food. So in terms of what I've been eating, that hasn't really changed at all. I do want to say that the video that I made... I live with my brother and my sister and we typically share meals like and split it by three. So it's a lot easier to split food if you have more people and get more variety as well. So that particular week, both my brother and my sister, I think they were either traveling or one was working nights. So I was pretty much left to left on my own and I had to <laughs> eat by myself. And I thought, what better time to see, you know, how much I can try and save just eating by myself. And that's where that video idea came from. Mm. I personally can eat the same thing over and over again if I really like it. Because I did see some comments saying like, how can she eat pasta for, <laughs> for five days consecutively? 
So I don't eat like this every day, but I do try to to save where I can. I think eating by yourself, it's a lot harder because you can't get much variety, especially if you like to eat different things all the time. But uh, if you plan in advance and whatnot, you can definitely save quite a bit of money. And some of the comments said, you know, why did you shop at Woolies? You should have gone to Audi instead and saved a bit more. I did wonder about that, but I wasn't going to say. As a frugalist, I was sort of watching and going, yeah, this is really interesting because I guess I would have gone for more generic brands or other things. Or shop the week after when pasta sauce was on sale for half price. Exactly, exactly. In February, with the benefit of a crystal ball, you could have been stocked up on toilet paper and pasta sauce. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And it's not just you, I think, who likes those kind of meals, because I guess what this current, the early stages of lockdown showed us was that we really are a nation of bolognese, spaghetti bolognese eaters because minced meat sold out pasta sold out yeah (laughs) pasta sauce sold out they're just like comfort foods yeah exactly and what i really noticed too from watching your videos was i mean these are just ordinary ordinary meals right so it's nothing Mm. we're not talking about fine dining but the way you really broke it down in terms of the cost per serve made it Mm. really accessible for a lot of people and the other thing i noticed was the absence of snack foods So it made me wonder how much of many people's purchases go in just processed foods that they don't really need or or want. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I actually snacked a lot more when I used to work in corporate because there was a vending machine and it was just available. So I think the thing with me is if I see it, then I'll eat it. So if I see a vending machine, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll get a packet of chips. But if I don't see it, then I don't get that idea in my head and I don't eat it. So if I don't buy it, then I'll never eat it. And the thing is with coffee, whenever I drink coffee, I don't feel as hungry. So that tends to that tends to curb my snacking. <laughs> well, let's talk about coffee because I know you've been trialing in a recent video, instant coffee. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. There was this huge trend on social media called this thing called Dalgona coffee mm. where you whip it mm-hmm. and you add it in and then you just need instant coffee, sugar and hot water. And um, Mm -hmm. it turns into this really frothy coffee foam and you pour it onto your milk. It actually tastes really good. I really enjoyed it. (laughs) And does it save you money? Um, I mean, you're using instant coffee, so it's it's cheaper than the Nespresso pods that I use. So I, I think it saves you a bit of money. And definitely cheaper than going going out to get a cup of coffee because they're like four dollars, four fifty. Because I drink soy. Does your post-corporate world budget allow for soy cappuccinos or coffees? I cut that out because I think before when I did work in the city, it was like a way to catch up with people as well. So it wasn't just about the coffee, but I'd be spending like 4 to $5 per cup. And then in the afternoon, if I'm feeling tired, I get a smaller cup. So I spend up to 8 to $9 a day on coffee. And I didn't even really think about it. But if you if you calculate how much that is in a week, that's $45 in a week. And if you're working 48 weeks in a year, that's like $2,000 on coffee, which is crazy. Exactly. So I, I don't buy coffee anymore once I saw the numbers, especially now that I don't need to. And I have Nespresso, which I think tastes okay. It, do, it gets the job done. So I... I don't go out for coffee unless it's like a special occasion. This is actually an area where people can make big savings and it's been quite controversial in some of the money-saving financial independence retire early circles. 
I'm one of those people that I can't sleep at night if I drink coffee. Mm. So I haven't actually been a coffee drinker for over a decade, I don't think. I gave it up when I was pregnant with my first son and he's 10. Right. And I never really went back because I just I just run around being hyperactive and silly and <laughs> getting very panicked and not actually doing anything. Right. Like my concentration right. completely goes and then I can't sleep and I'm very cranky. Mm. There are a certain amount of people in the world who have that reaction to coffee and I'm one of them. Mm. But I did calculate the difference from when I drink tea to coffee financially and it was huge mm. because, you know, we can make uh, – I mean, actually, people have gifted me tea because they know I like it, so that's even cheaper because it's free. But um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not taking advantage of my friends here. <laughs> but when I do go out and buy tea bags and we make it at home, it can be anywhere between three and six cents, mm. which is quite phenomenal. Yeah, so I think you're onto it. You realise that this is an area where you can make some big savings, but it depends on what your values are. Like you yeah, said, like ex- if you're exactly. catching up with friends. Exactly. Barista-made coffee is delicious if they're made well. And, you know, some days I really, really miss it, but I think right now I I rather spend less money on that because it's just not something that I absolutely need. But if that's what you you want and that sort of grounds your morning, then fair enough. How has it been financially for you? So you had this corporate job, you're living with your brother and sister, Mm. you've quit your job. Have you fallen into a huge hole where you're panicked about money and, as we've seen a lot of people at the moment, experience real hardship? How has it been for you or has life just gone on? I think for me, when I first decided to quit my job, it wasn't like this one day that I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. It was a really long process of planning because I really wanted to protect my dream. And the way that I needed to protect it is to mentally feel like I can do it. So I I saved up enough money to have a bit of a cushion so that I don't have to worry about that financially. And I did make investments as well. So I do um, a bit of share investing and I sort of did that at the beginning or midway through uni. So I, I, I was really sort of conscious of making sure that my money worked for me and in addition to that I also do freelancing so I do video editing and video producing and I some on some days back before all this happened I would help out with wedding photography and whatnot so I do have freelancing jobs wow (laughs) yeah so it's it's um so YouTube is one thing that I do but I do have to do additional freelancing work in order to sustain myself financially um, so it's a lot of different streams of income that I've sort of built up in order to make sure that I can do this. And I think for me, the most important thing is to be financially stable, because if I'm worried about it, I can't be as creative as I want. For me, my priority is to protect my creativity, if that makes sense. It does totally. Yeah. It's really hard to have the courage to take forward a new idea, particularly one that's out of the box. When you're worried about money. Exactly. And even even though I talk about abundance mindset and I practice it most days, there are some days when I don't. And the days where I don't, I get panicky and I think, oh, everything's a waste of time. Why did I do this? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. I'm not good at anything. Crazy thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, crazy thoughts. Yeah. I get those some days as well. It's like, did I make a mistake? <laughs> did, I, did I make a mistake? Should I have not done this? And I think the thing that I think about is when I did decide to quit, I thought about the worst case scenario. And I made myself get comfortable with it. So the worst case scenario is I fail. You know, I lose my money. I fail. I don't find success doing these videos. And I have to start all over again as the most junior level associate or junior level analyst. And once I got myself okay with the this 
supposed worst case scenario, which isn't even that bad at all, then I thought, okay, then I'll just go all out and see what happens. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay as well. Exactly. And I think that's good. You plan it and really think your fears are often not founded often when you've got that plan. I mean, in my case, it hasn't been. It's financially, it's been fine. And in fact, if anything, you know, there's there's more possibilities in the future. Mm. I want to ask you another question, and that is about decluttering, minimising the minimalist lifestyle. Yes. Because I know you've done a YouTube recently, which I had quite a giggle over about your Marie Kondo efforts. That took me so long. (laughs) I thought I was going to be able to do that in a day. I was so wrong. (laughs) How long did it take? It took me, I think it took me three or four days because there was just so much stuff. So I I saw the Netflix series for Marie Kondo and I was like, you know what, this is something that I want to do for for my own room because it's quite, it's an organized mess. So anyone that walks into my room be like, oh my God, it's so messy. But, you know, I knew where most things were, but it could definitely be a lot more tidy. And so I decided to use her cleaning method and apply that to my room. I am a very sentimental person. I keep a lot of things. I tend to attach my memory to physical items. So I have like a, a, a receipt from way back because it was like the first time I bought my parents dinner, for example. Like I'd keep that receipt because it, it means a lot to me. Or like the first time I traveled internationally by myself. So I kept a lot of these things. It was like three, four, five days just going through it and throwing some things that I really didn't want to throw out. But honestly, th- those things were just trash. But yeah, my room is a lot it's a lot cleaner right now and it's actually really nice. It's like a burden lifted off your shoulders actually to have a clean and tidy room. <laughs> well, I'm not quite there. I'm on a decluttering challenge. Well, actually I'm on a giving challenge this year that okay. I haven't quite got to getting rid of all of my clothes because I actually love my clothes, but I was surprised at how many you had because would, yeah. you did say that you're not really into clothes. It's not kind of your thing no. so much, right? It was from like childhood as well. So like the clothes that I just never wanted to throw away. So I had clothes from probably even the end of primary school, which is crazy. It's just a lot of stuff that's built up over the years. And I moved a lot. And every time I moved, I didn't want to throw anything away because I those were my memories from that time in, mm. say, Hong Kong or Sydney or whatever it may be. I always took everything with me when I moved. I just, I didn't even realize how many clothes I had until I looked at <laughs> everything in the middle of my room and it was like a mountain of clothes. And so what did you do with them all? What did you do with these things in lockdown? So I have all of them packed in a couple boxes. There were some that were so old, you really couldn't do anything with it. Those ones I had to throw out, but then there were some that were really nice quality. So I might either sell them or donate them, the ones that are really good quality. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So they're sitting sitting Mm. in two plastic containers right now. Yeah, I think I might either sell them or donate them. Mm, I look forward to seeing how that goes and I'm always really amazed sometimes how things that either you no longer wear or they don't suit you go on to really being a blessing for someone else. I had a friend I used to work with, a former work colleague who got married last week, got married on Saturday Mm. in a lockdown wedding. Oh wow. Freezing weather, freezing cold weather and she wore my wedding dress. from nearly 18 months before and she'd actually ordered one but it was stuck in the post and didn't get there any time and it is just a a real blessing sometimes you think well I might never wear this again or it's it's nice it's good quality but you sort of hang on to it because you think you should but when you pass it on with love I think it finds its own home yeah exactly like my formal dresses I wore them once and I never wore them again (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. And there's probably some other women who are looking for the most amazing dress. Mm. It's going to make them feel special yeah, who exactly. are looking for something like that. So where are some of your favourite places that you've travelled to? The last year I spent a lot of time in Asia. I went to Thailand right after I quit my job. I went to a music festival and then I went to Bangkok as well. So Pattaya and Bangkok, the food there is amazing. I love Japan as well because the food there is also really, really delicious. And I have this strange obsession with capsule hotels. So I stayed at a lot of different <laughs> capsule hotels when I was there. And I also really like Hong Kong. Hong Kong for me is like a home away from home. I spent so much time when I was there. The food there is amazing. And, and yeah, these are like some of my favorite places. Mm-hmm. So I was going to go to, to Bali earlier this year, but couldn't because of the, the lockdowns. But hopefully I will be able to do that when everything is over. Well, yes, I think there's going to be a lot of communities and a lot of operators in the tourism sector who are really going to need that support. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult time. And I read something even this morning saying, well, we don't know when travel's going to resume again. We just don't. It's, it's a scary time for a lot of people. It is. Yeah, it is. Finally, I was wondering, do you have a favourite Frugalista tip? Here's what I think. I think planning is the most important thing, it, regardless of what what you're looking to do, whether it is something as big as quitting your job or even going to the grocery store, you really need to to plan to make sure that you can actually achieve what it is that you want to achieve. And not only with planning, you also need to make sure you measure everything as well. Whatever you don't measure, you don't manage. With me quitting my job, I always I had a spreadsheet that documented my savings and and my income. And even with your grocery list, I I sort of know how much I spend every week on food and whatnot. I think planning and also measuring are the main frugalist tips. That That's a great one because there are so many households who have no idea how much they spend on groceries. And in fact, statistics show that most people go shopping without a grocery list. I forget what the exact statistics are, but it's a really, really high number. Mm. For people, they go shopping into somewhere that's designed to make them want to spend lots of money. Exactly. Let's face it, that's how a supermarket is marketed. You know, Mm. you have to go to the back corner to find the milk, whether it's normal milk or soy milk or almond milk or whatever, past the center aisles with the promotions on the ends, which my husband's told me are called ends in the business, which are designed to make you want to walk past all those specials. That's so interesting. You actually have to walk through all these temptations just to get your essentials. Yeah. So if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a this is what I need today, you are going to get tempted. Even with a plan, you get tempted. I'm frugal and I still come out with unplanned purchases, a couple of packets of chips for my kids (laughs) or marshmallows or when I go shopping at Aldi, the middle aisle, there's always a few temptations there. This week I nearly bought a whole big jar of pickles just because. (laughs) I love pickles. I'll probably go back for this one, but that was definitely not on the shopping list. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that's very relevant. Mm. Thank you so much, Janice. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. How can we find you? Uh, you can find me on YouTube. It's Janice Fung. Or you can find me on Instagram. It's Janice Fung. Uh, these are the main two platforms that I'm on. Lovely. Thank you very much. And do check out her YouTube cha- channels and subscribe because she's got some really interesting and awesome content. And make sure you follow as well on the Joyful Frugalista Facebook group to find out more about other people's travel and to connect with others who are thinking of quitting their corporate jobs. Thank you so much, Janice. Thank you. Oh, listen to me chilling and 
You've been listening to the joyful Frugalista with Serena Bird. She actually likes everybody. And of course, sound has been by Neil Hadley. And myself, I'm Joseph McGrail Baitup. You've got an accentuate the positive eliminate the negative latch on to the affirmative. Don't mess with Mr.